Welcome back to Clear the Record. In this second installment on Shakira, I interview my mom, Christina, about her relationship with the artist as a Colombian in the 90s and early 2000s. So I was born in Colombia, uh, in Bogota, Colombia, in the 1966. And my family emigrated to New York City in 1969. Um, and uh, I grew up in New York. And uh, then I lived in Texas for a while. And then I moved back east. Uh, but, you know, our family, so I've been exposed to Latin music from the day I was born. Our family, the your, your grandmother, your abuela really enjoyed playing um, music all the time, every time in the house. So we listened to all kinds of different music. I think I learned, I probably listened to Latin music before I even listened to American music growing up. Because, you know, as immigrants, that's sort of your comfort level. So at home, that music was all, all that we heard, you know, and we were a little kid, so we weren't going out and buying records. So whatever was on the radio is what your parents put on. And when would you say, did you ever start listening to like Latin rock music, which started coming more prominent in like the 80s? When did you start listening to that kind of stuff? When I got to college, um, there was a Latin hour on the Vassar College radio station. And one of the one of the DJs that played, they would take turns uh, every week, every day of the week, there was a different guy doing uh, Latin music for one hour at, at the radio station. And there was a guy who was from uh, Mexico and he loved, 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 loved. And that's how I got exposed to, um, to Café Tacuba and Mana because those were the, the, the two really hot bands out of Mexico. So that Latin rock, uh, he was really, um, he was really uh, a big proponent of and played a lot of his music, of their music. And then, um, I don't know where Enanitos Verdes is from, but that was another big band then. I think they're from uh, maybe Argentina. So the, the Latin rock was coming from, from, I was in college when I heard about it, because actually the, you, the New York City uh, radio stations, because we had two big radio stations that played all Latin music all the time, they didn't really play a lot of the rock. So you heard it through, like, uh, through friends, you know, and on TV, they used to be on TV on the Mexican television station and Mexican shows, Mana and Café Tacuba would come on and they'd had the equivalent of MTV on Spanish television, on uh, Telemundo and uh, Univision, and you could watch uh, Latin videos on Saturday morning. So we got exposed to Latin rock that way. And did you go to any Latin rock shows like in the 80s or 90s? You know, those bands weren't touring, Not certainly not touring in New York yet. They were touring probably closer to border states, like probably in, in California and Texas and Arizona. But you, I, you really didn't start seeing bands, Latin rock bands playing until maybe later in the early 90s, thanks to people like Shakira. Yeah, so uh, kind of segue into that. I chose Shakira um, for this episode because she was really the first woman to kind of break through Latin rock into Latin rock and like being played on radio stations and really doing well um, mm -hmm. on different Latin music charts. Um, and I'm curious when you first started hearing Shakira's music and kind of what your reaction was considering she was like one of the first women to become prominent in that genre. Well, I, I think we have to go back 
a couple of years before that, I was living in Texas and it was the early 90s and uh, um, Selena Quintanilla, who is a Tejano singer, ha had started to get radio play. Of course, she got radio play in the, the Spanish speaking stations in Dallas and in Texas. You, you couldn't go anywhere in Texas, travel any in Texas. And if you put on the radio, it was if it was Spanish music, they were playing Selena. And um, then she started to cross over and show up on American um, English speaking radio stations. And so that was the first exposure to anybody doing that crossover. So she sort of, I think, put it in, in people's minds that you could listen to a Spanish speaking singer, even if you didn't know Spanish. And um, really, um, unfortunately, you know, she died in 1995, which is right around the time Shakira first came on the on on the um, on our radar here in the states, and I think if, if if I think radio executives and probably radio stations said, okay, you know, we have this Selena who's playing Tejano Tex-Mex kind of music, and here's this kid out of uh, out of um, Colombia starting to play uh, rock music and, and rock pop music. So I think had it not been for Selena, I don't know if we would have had Shakira because I think it's really hard to to come in uh, as a woman into, I mean, she broke in as a woman in a, in a Tejano community and, and music that's generally played by men. And then the idea that a, a rock female Latino to come in and play, I mean, they were playing Manan, they were playing Cafe Cuba, but not a lot of people would have thought of playing a female rocker. But I think because Selena had been so, sex, so successful in male dominated music scene, uh, Tejano music scene, I think, more people were willing to give Shakira a chance. So I always think if, if not for Selena, I don't know if Shakira would have been as successful. And um, what were some of your reaction to like Shakira's first, you know, two albums, which were in Spanish and rock music? It was like, Quies Descalzos and then Donde Están Los Ardones. Did you hear that on like the radio station at first? Or did you hear it from I, friends? Or I, was trying, I was trying to think about that because the, the first album, um, Pies Descalzos was in 95, and that means we were still in Texas. So I imagine that I must have seen her, or I, I would imagine that I probably heard her on the radio because they have quite a few Latino stations in, in, in Dallas and in Texas. But I also think um, TV, I think videos were still being, especially on the Spanish networks, they would still have um, like the, the equivalent of Spanish uh, MTV. And I think that's probably first where I saw her because I remember having her album probably right when it got out, when it was first released. And because I've heard it on the radio, like most people did back then, if you heard something on the radio, you liked it, you went out and bought the, well, at that point, the CD. And we had that CD in 95. And then as soon as the next one dropped, and by between 95 and 98, when uh, um, Donde Están Los Ladrones uh, dropped, I think, she had already toured a little bit in, in, in Latin America and in, in parts of the US. And she'd gotten tons of, of radio play and she'd been on all the Latin, the big Spanish television channels. Like in, in Texas, you would watch um, uh, Univision and Telemundo. And so both of those were, she was appearing on the, the big shows, big variety shows. So that's probably when I first heard her. And we, your dad and I, you know, he's not even Spanish speaking, but we played that album all the time everywhere in the car everywhere we went because it was such a phenomenal sounding and the sound was so different from anything we heard before it's very different from salsa music it's very different from the pop music that was coming out of mexico and in colombia it was it was 
rock in Spanish. And it was pretty amazing, you know, pretty, pretty groundbreaking, especially coming from a woman. And how did it feel, um, you know, having, I would say probably Shakira is one of the most like prominent Colombian people in the world now. Like when people think of Colombia, I would say she's like maybe the number one person like associated with it in terms of a celebrity. Um, mm -hmm. And how did it feel to have like someone more positive to kind of represent Colombia, you know, coming out of like the 80s and 90s when most of the time it was pretty, you know, negative press associated with it have like a musician kind of coming up and she also sings about political issues in her songs too maybe not as much mm -hmm. as like Juanes or something like that but mm -hmm. she also sings about that so how did that make you feel at that time well just incredible pride because you know we spent as Colombians in the 80s and the 90s just every time there was a news story uh, your your father and I used to laugh about this a lot um we used to get the New York Times and if there was ever a story about Columbia and the New York Times in the late 80s and early 90s through most of the 90s, it had to do with drugs, war, or terrorism. And to have someone who doesn't have anything to do with that and it's known worldwide is pretty amazing. And so she's also, you know, like um, a great ambassador for, uh, for you know, uh, uh, for Colombia in terms of just music and I know she's got a couple of foundations that helps uh, uh, children who have been affected by war in Colombia. She's very outspoken on political issues but um, so she you knows she's it's great to have her be uh, someone who's uh, a Colombian native who uh, people can associate with something positive so it was fantastic and, and I think she's also very responsible like you said for uh, Juan is coming into the music industry when he did and Carlos Vives coming into the music industry as he did and now Maluma uh, who is you know more of your generation um, I forgot what the other guy Jay Balvin is he from yeah Colombia? he's Colombian all these guys you know she really made that possible she was really the first big breakthrough you know not only for I mean, there have been other artists who were had success in Latin America, but in terms of crossing over into the United States, she was, she was huge, you know? And talking more about that crossover, um, how did you feel about her crossing over into the U.S. market with her third album, Laundry Service, which was primarily in English, they had a couple of uh, Spanish songs on there. Um, how did you kind of feel about that transformation? I was reading that she pretty much taught herself English in like a year and a half to write that album. She didn't speak English before that, um, before moving you know, to Miami. I, I gave it a listen today. Uh, and um, I'm actually surprised how much I liked that album. Because I, th I think at the time I was a little disappointed she'd gone to English. And her English is not that great. And underneath your clothes, fantastic. I listened to it today and I said, that's a great song. That song is really translated her, her, the way she sings, her themes, and her voice really well. So I think that's a great song. Uh, and it holds up. It holds up better than I, I thought it would. I was listening to it going, wow, this is, this is sounds like something she would have sung in Spanish. It just happens to be in English. So I'm, I'm a big fan. I hadn't listened to that song in a long time until today. And I was like, yeah, that that really holds up really well. It's it's really the way she sings. The lyrics are wonderful, because frankly, I've only really listened even now with her recent music. I only listen to the Spanish version of it, and there's very few 
of her English songs that I listen to regularly. And how did you feel sort of about like her aesthetic transformation in terms of like moving from the Spanish market to to the US market? Because in the Spanish market, looking at old pictures of her, her hair was dark. She wore a lot of kind of like, kind of like yeah, channeling Alanis Morissette, a lot of like jeans and like dirty t-shirts. But then when she started singing English, you know, she dyed her hair blonde. She kind of started playing up, I would say like maybe more like Latin stereotypes and like the way she dressed and things like that. And how did sort of that make you feel? When she I, you know what I I think uh, I, I now that I look back at the time where she made that transition, who was big at that time at, at the time, if you look back on it, I go, oh, you know, she cut the blonde hair. She wants to look more angle. But I think any any sort of, you know, there wasn't anybody who didn't look like that in the mid 90s. You know, that was the look Christina, uh, 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 Brittany, Jessica Simpson, you name all oh, the other Simpson sister. They all look like that. It's sort of a, a, the look doesn't stay the same. That's part of what music does. You know, they're trendsetters musically and fashion wise as well. So I, I'm less offended now than I was then, because now I realize where she is in that genre. Right. And how do you sort of feel about, um, well, at the time she obviously wanted to make, I guess, more of a global impact with her music, which is why she started singing in English. But at that time, like other people singing in rock, or singing rock music in Spanish, like Juanes and Carlos Vivas, they never really switched over. Like, mm -hmm. what do you kind of think about her decision to to switch over to singing in English? And do you think she would have done the same thing now if she had sort of come come up now in the music? Uh, you know, I think probably it had a lot to do with um, with who the male singers who were who did successfully cross over then in English, who was it? It was uh, Ricky Martin. Um, so I think, you know, I think she probably, and, and I think the uh, Gloria Stefan and Emilia Stefan were big uh, influences in her. And I think they probably said, you know, it would help you to speak English. It would help you to have one or two songs in English just to make the transition. And um, I think, with Juanes and who's a rocker and Carlos Vives is more pop tropical music, but they both had enough of a, of a, of a fan base and as being male, probably more of a following and didn't really need to do anything. Although Juanes does sing in English. He doesn't, he doesn't sing it consistently or, or release any music in English, but he has sung in English. But um, I just think that uh, she probably needed to do the transition to be to really stand out. I think also, if you want to really get into the weeds with it, I think coming in, out into the 90s and into the early 2000s, a lot of Latin American countries saw their economies improve. And a lot of people, there was a growing middle class and um, in all of Latin America, there was, there was an actual middle class created where there wasn't one before. And so these people had the buying power and the power to, uh, to go to concerts and the power to buy the, the merch at the concert. So what, it didn't exist before that somebody could become a global star singing only in Spanish. It really just wasn't capable. It, it, they didn't go to, con there weren't concert tours that came to Colombia, that came to, you know, that, that did entire concert tours only in Latin America, but there was just more buying power created in the coming out of the 80s into the 90s. So now they could do it. 